So I want to um, continue to unfold the, the metta teachings this morning and, and the suggestions for practice. Uh, I want to begin with a quote from an American teacher called Shyla Catherine. Um, very great yogini practitioner of our times. And uh, this is a, a, sh- a paragraph from uh, an article where she's describing or exploring some of her insights after a long uh, meta retreat. And when she speaks about a long retreat, it's a long retreat, yeah, year, <laughs> year long or something in that region. Um, and, and this is what she says. So up until then, up until that immersion in the practice, I had a, a little bit of a feeling that metta was uh, a bit sentimental. <laughs> yeah, there's something a bit sentimental about it. But during that intensive retreat, I saw that metta really was boundless. The mind did not waver when attention shifted from one type of being to another. The mind did not waver. When the mind is thoroughly imbued with metta, it does not create a sense of division between self and other. The heart is open and expansive. It is as the suttas, the texts, describe an immeasurable deliverance of mind. Such a beautiful phrase, an immeasurable deliverance of mind. So that immeasurable deliverance of mind is possible for us, for each of us. That immeasurable heart, boundless heart, uh, for whom separation is not real. (laughs) Not real in the way we take it to be. Not real in the way that it appears to us. I'm here Someone else is there. And so, you know, just opening to this possibility, opening to possibility of moments of experience where that sense of separation dissolves or that sense of separation is not as real as we take it to be. And this can be an amazing way to live, of course. Yeah. Um, sometimes I find it useful to also say, uh, and it's and it's also uh, relative. You know, so if we need to get um, this particular body, heart, mind from one place to the other, say to arrive at Guy House for a retreat, then it's also helpful that we know that this is the body, heart, mind that we need to get to Guy House. <laughs> yeah. So just to, to keep that in our awareness, yeah, that sense of boundlessness, that sense of non-separation. Yeah. And then also the functionality of sometimes the sense of responsibility to a particular. So what we're interested in yeah, is not absolutes. Yeah, it's like this or it's like that, but... Uh, the exploration, what are ways of relating that bring more well-being? What are ways of relating that actually free us? So for our exploration today, I have a few uh, insights to keep in mind. Yeah? To keep, uh, and we keep them as kind of a, a support for us, yeah? like a framework that supports our exploration. They're, always things to, they're also things to explore. Yeah, in our own experience. Is this true? How is this true for me in my own knowing? So the first one is the exploration of um, when there is non-metta, when there's the opposite of metta, yeah? enmity, ill will, yeah? hatred, separation. Um, how does that impact my own experience, how does that impact others? Yeah. And another, another way we can say that, does that lead to harm? Does that lead to suffering or away from suffering? Yeah. And this is a yeah, really helpful contemplation. Yeah. When there's the opposite of metta, 
where does that lead when there's enmity, when there's ill will? Yeah. What does that uh, bring? And the understanding that we can have and we can deepen, that is not a beneficial state of heart and mind. Yeah. We can understand it more and more. So that's one insight to, to keep in our field. Yeah. Another one, um, that the way I relate impacts experience. Yeah, this is the one I've been harping on about all the time. And I will keep doing it. I'm, s- I'm apologizing, but there we go. Yeah. The way we relate shapes our experience, impacts our experience, impacts the way something appears in itself. And this brings us to the, to the next insight. Yeah, the fact that our experience is constructed, shaped, yeah, put together, yeah, moment by moment, through various factors, including the way of looking, the way of relating in our own heart and mind, means that our experience is changeable. Yeah. Changeable, shapeable, cultivatable. Yeah. We can cultivate it. Yeah, towards the wholesome. So another way of kind of saying what I've just said. We've been speaking um, through the days, we mentioned a few times the uh, kind of the, the vehicle for our meta practice, yeah, which traditionally is phrases. Yeah. And we've said, you know, these are the phrases we use and feel welcome to change them, to use the phrases uh, that are appropriate for you and for your experience or not to use phrases at all, you know, to use images, to use a felt sense. Yeah. That appropriateness is really important. And for me, it's interesting to, to see the journey that metta practice has done yeah, from the Buddha's time until it's, it's gotten to us. And I just want to kind of name some of it. So last night I read the Buddha's instructions for metta practice. It was like filling up one quarter of the world <laughs> with loving kindness and then the second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth quarter. No mention of phrases. No mention of different categories of beings. Yeah. Those were his, his instructions. Yeah. That's, that's our starting point. Then in the tradition, about 500 years after the Buddha, they came up with the phrases and the beings, the practice that we all know, or many of us know already, as the the kind of Buddhist practice of cultivating metta. If we take the phrases as they appear in those texts, which, as far as we know, are uh, are 500 years after the Buddha, so about 2,000 years old, and we translate them from, uh, from the Pali that they're in to English. Here's what they say, okay? May I, or you, be free from enmity. May I, or you, be free from hurtfulness. May I, or you, be free of troubles of mind and body. Have troubled mind and body. May I or you be able to protect yourself, to look after yourself with ease. Yeah. And then fast forward 2,000 years <laughs> and the common phrases in our modern Dharma world will be, may I be happy, peaceful. Like Actually, Jake and I, as far as these phrases go, not very creative. Yeah, we've pretty much used, we use pretty um, common phrases. But we can see the change, yeah? You see the change, and just to put it out there as an encouragement for your own creativity, (laughs) yeah? The practice is alive. It's changed over these years, and and, uh, it really gives us permission to also adapt it and change it. What I find really interesting about these traditional phrases, especially the first two, I'm going to read them again. May I or you be free from enmity. And may I or you be free from hurtfulness. They point to a mutuality. 
So if I'm free from enmity as an inner state, right? I'm free from enmity within, yeah? as well as being free from enmity, or protected from enmity from without. Does that make sense? But particularly if we really read this, you know, may I be free from enmity, that's an internal quality. May I be free from hurtfulness. Yeah? That's an internal quality. And so they really point to this relationship, this mutuality between the internal experience and the external experience. And they really point to what creates safety from harm. Yeah. And that was also in the text that Jake read yesterday, the benefits of metta practice. Yeah. What creates a, a heart of metta, an attitude of metta, um, supports yeah, safety, safety in the world. And so there can be a really beautiful reflection, you know, about you know, what, what happens in me when I reflect on the possibility you know, being free from enmity, from ill will, from hatred. Yeah. And we know the moments, we know these moments, yeah, they happen to us. Yeah. And what would it mean to inhabit this place more <coughs> and to understand that relationship? Yeah. To understand that relationship. And we can bring that into our practice yeah, over and over again, both that internal sense of, with my own experience, I'm cultivating the opposite of enmity. Yeah, I'm cultivating metta. Sorry, I just realized I didn't check the sound. You're hearing me okay? Yeah. Do let me know if that changes. So internally, with our internal experience, yeah, letting go of the enmity, yeah, of the non-metta. Yeah, letting go of ill will. And then also, uh, and seeing the impact of that, and then also in the relational field. Yeah, what happens when I refuse to see another as an enemy? What happens? Yeah. My partner just sent me this morning, <laughs> sent me a, a little quote from uh, Vandana Shiva. How many of you know who Vandana Shiva is? All right. Yeah, great. Some of you do. One of the great beings of our times. Um, Eco-feminist, uh, physicist, and environmental activist for absolute decades. Decades. And um, when she uh, speaks yeah, about people who disagree with her, <laughs> who hold very different views, she calls them my friend. So in this quote that he just sent me this morning. It's like she speaks about my friend Monsanto, <laughs> and yeah, I see quite a few of you know Monsanto is not considered a friend in most environmental uh, circles, and particularly in India where she's based, where they've caused so much damage, so much harm. Um, so yeah, just that sense, you know, just and it's completely natural, <laughs> yeah. My friend Monsanto, yeah, and it's reminiscent also of the Dalai Lama, yeah, who speaks. This is a much more famous quote. Talks about the Chinese as my friend, the enemy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. My friend, the enemy. The internal attitude is a friendliness. Yeah, but it doesn't come at the cost of not being clear. <laughs> yeah, that we disagree. Yeah, and that I might find your actions harmful. Yeah, so having that, that sense. Yeah, so what happens when we refuse to see another as an enemy? Yeah, and with that understanding, we can disagree, <laughs> but we don't take up that very strong tendency to en to enmity that we have. Um, what happens when we do not cooperate with hatred, and with separation? Yeah, what happens to us? So the impact, yeah, the impact of this is uh, is immediate on us, yeah, and we can feel the the release and the relief, yeah, when we don't have to hold that tight, burning 
coal in our heart of enmity and of hatred. Yeah, because hatred and enmity, they destroy us from within. Yeah? And we know that. And we can let go of that without letting go of our wisdom and our discernment yeah? and our clarity and our capacity to stand up yeah? for what we believe in. That's a, such a, a powerful um, exploration for us. So I want to just share a little um, story from my own experience around this. Hopefully it will be short. Um, and this was quite a few years ago, 2006. Um, it was the first time that I, uh, I found myself, I visited a checkpoint um, that Israel had built between Israel and Palestine, the Palestinian territories. And I was there with a group, a group of internationals and Israelis that had come together to um, do a work retreat, participate in the olive harvest in Palestine, and also witness and learn and see for ourselves the situation. It's the first time I, I was at a checkpoint, very painful. Um, I remember to share this, that my first really strong sense was, I, cannot, I just cannot believe that a Jewish mind could create this just cannot believe yeah, that this is possible. That was my very strong sense with our history. Of course, I understand why. But. And so we, we visited the checkpoint and we were kind of walking around um, from one side to the other, just taking in what was going on there. And we came across... Um, a couple of soldiers, yeah, very young, 18 and a half, 19 years old. And I asked one of them, what's it like being here for you? And he replied, it's cool. My heart, boom, <laughs> closed, yeah, paying attention, closed. And that sense of separation really strong, yeah. I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, really strong separation, enmity, right? In that separation. Carried on walking around and we came around to the other side of the checkpoint and um, stood there and observed, witnessed. At some point, the same soldier yeah, was there again. This time he was alone. And so I could practice <laughs> with this and know that this closed heart that I was feeling was not something I wanted to be experiencing or to bring into the situation which already has too much separation, too many barriers, too many walls, too many guns, yeah, too much hatred yeah, already. It's not what I want to bring in. So I approached him again. Yeah. And I asked him, how long have you been here? Yeah. And he said, two months. Yeah. How long have you been in the army? Six months. So major part of his service there. Yeah. And then we started talking. Very early on in the conversation, he said to me, and the group was there, I was translating, so it wasn't just my conversation. He said to me, look, I'm going to turn away from you a little bit so that the other guys don't see that I'm talking to you. So he still had his back to them, but he wasn't facing me. He was facing kind of at an angle. So the other guys don't see that I'm talking to you. Yeah. And then we carried on. We were asking him questions, and he was responding. And maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was ten minutes, the whole thing. But through that conversation, you could see the layers peeling. Yeah. And he told us how much he hated being there. Yeah. He told us how much he tries to do what he can to make it a little bit less hard for the Palestinians that need to go through that checkpoint every day. Yeah. He told us how helpless he feels. Yeah. And so in that meeting, five, ten minutes, working just enough 
with my own inner space of enmity to know that's not what I want to inhabit, that's not what I want to bring. Being able to offer a space of safety to another where they can be in contact with their own humanity and their own goodness. So when metta is present, it's not always easy. (laughs) But when we're able to notice what is happening in my experience, what is it that I want to align with, we can really bring transformation to our own heart and to someone else, and to someone else. And I often reflect back on that experience, you know, and I have, you know, all my friends, my brother, my, one of my nephews, one of my nieces already gone through it, yeah. I know what that experience is like and to bring that sense of safe space into that reality, which is so difficult. So when metta is present, we all benefit. Yeah. We all benefit that sense of the boundarylessness of it. So the way of looking impacts appearance. If I just stayed with that first impression, if I had not noticed the enmity in me and not had the willingness to go beyond it, if I didn't have the support of the group there, that was really big. I don't know if I could have done it on my own. To approach again, to bring metta, even if it's just in the form of non-enmity as we've been talking here, of interest. What is it like for you? I want to listen, I want to know. So the way of looking impacts experience itself. And cultivating this, this capacity to be like Vandana Shiva (laughs) and be able to call your enemy your friend. That's some aspiration for a human life. And so today, um, if it's the right time for you, I really want to bring this in. Okay, we're going through, we, we kind of talked a lot about this, Jake and me. It's a short retreat. Yeah. And we thought, do we go through the whole trajectory or not? And we said, yeah, we will. Because we want to put it out there for you, because this is not the end of your practice lives, yeah, these four days. But we really want you to feel what's appropriate for you. Yeah. So the teachings are here, everything's being recorded twice. Yeah. And it will be uploaded and you will have access to these recordings. Yeah. So you can come back, you don't have to push yourself to go with the pace that we're unfolding the practice. Feel what's appropriate. If it's appropriate for today, we're going to explore bringing metta to to the challenging, to a challenging relationship. And a lot of gentleness and patience here. So even if it's the right thing for you (laughs) to do that, real request, don't go to the most raw, difficult, challenging relationship in your life. Yeah? Meta practice is like physical exercise. <laughs> it's like going to the gym. We start with the light weights yeah? and we build up capacity. Yeah? We build up capacity. So even if you're going with this practice today, you're opening to the challenging relationship, pick something or someone that feels manageable. It might be, and there's plenty of these in our lives, one of our you know, favorite people <laughs> or beings with whom there's an area of discord and disharmony. Yeah? There's plenty of, plenty of those opportunities, right? <laughs> yeah, we get annoyed by people that we love. There might be something like that. It might be someone more neutral yeah, that triggers us less. So really um, noticing, feeling what's the appropriate pace for you. Uh, remembering the practices for the long term. And remembering that uh, at any point we can bring self-meta, we can bring self-compassion in, or go to the easy personal being. Yeah? At any point. And that's not... Um, not um, does that does not mean that you're not doing your practice well. It actually means that you are. Because <laughs> yeah? you're listening and you're sensitive. 
and you're appropriate yeah, to what's, what's needed. And ultimately, um, it matters a lot less where the metta is directed to than that it's accessed yeah, and exercised yeah, and developed. That's what matters. So, of course, as always, if metta is not the right thing at all, breath, body, sound, any other practice that's useful. And the last thing to, to bring in here is uh, something I said last night that I just want to bring in again. And that's the insight of when there's dukkha, when there's ill-being, it arises with contraction, friction, demand, push-pull. Yeah? Some sense of... with our experience. Yeah? That rises. So noticing that... Yeah. When there's dukkha, just noticing, is there contraction, is there friction, is there demand, is there push-pull? I just want to know. I'm not judging it. I just want to know. I just want to meet. I just want to kind of understand what comes with dukkha. And when metta is present, all of these ease off. Yeah? Less demand, less contraction, less friction, yeah? less push and pull on experience. And we want to notice that as well. Yeah? Just to have that as a kind of something that we drop in every once in a while to see that relationship. Okay. So, yeah, that's the, that's the intro. And uh, have some time for practice. So before we settle into our practice, we'll have about 25 minutes if you need to stretch any part of the body or stand up and settle into sitting again, please do. When you're ready, settling back into your posture. Seeing if you can connect to that intention of kind interest as you do that, as you settle into the posture. making any adjustments, any attunements that are needed so that the body feels as comfortable, steady, stable and balanced as possible in your sitting posture.
and inviting the awareness more deeply, more fully into the body. If it's helpful, bringing the awareness to the sensations of contact between the body and the seat. body in the ground. Taking a few moments to gather and collect and root and ground the awareness. In the contact sensations between body and that which supports the body. Grounding, gathering, collecting, rooting. And the sensations of contact and the stability and steadiness of the whole base of the body. And then gently inviting the awareness to open and to expand through the body space. Unfurling and growing from the support of the contact areas out into the body. spreading out into the body. Awareness filling up the body space. Opening and softening the space of the body as it spreads. You have a sense of the whole body sitting here. An awareness filling up the space of the body. Maybe a little larger than the body. Like a cocoon or a bubble of awareness containing. Containing the body. So through the practice, we'll keep opening the awareness wide to the whole body whenever we notice that it's gotten smaller, which it will, that's its tendency.
So awareness, soft, open, wide and inviting into that space of awareness. Either yourself or the easy being, whatever feels most immediate, most accessible. Take a moment to feel, I will be guiding with yourself first, but just notice what's appropriate for you. That feels like a stretch. And starting with the easy being. Awareness, gentle, soft, open. Sense of the whole body. And whether you're bringing yourself to mind or another. Just taking some moments to reflect on your wish or their wish to be happy, free from enmity, free from hurtfulness, to live well, to be safe. Reflecting perhaps also on the fragility, vulnerability of our life and on the possibility And attuning to that intention of metta. That intention of well-wishing, of care. intention of friendliness. Tuning in to that intention. And inviting it to flow and move. using the phrases or <coughs> other words or an image or a felt sense as the vehicle for that intention, for the cultivation of that intention. May I be happy. Peaceful. Safe. And well.
May I be at ease. May I be happy and peaceful. Safe and well. May I be at ease. So whatever the vehicle is that you're using for the meta practice, the meta intention, Letting it flow steadily and at your own pace, your own rhythm. Feeling yourself touched by metta and held in metta. Contained, supported. and filled with metta. May I be happy and peaceful. Safe and well. May I find ease. over and over, bathing, resonating with metta, holding yourself or the easy being in metta, in kindness, 
keeping the space of awareness wide, soft, open, whole body, and the metta flowing through, bathing, suffusing, whole space of the body. And if it feels appropriate, inviting into awareness, a person or being with whom there's a challenging relationship, a mild challenge. Keeping the matter going with yourself and or with the easy being and gently opening to invite someone with whom there's a challenge challenging the relationship and just opening to see who arises, what arises. And including this person or being and the challenge in the relationship, including that in the field of matter. Letting yourself be nourished by the matter as you also direct it to the other. May you be happy and peaceful. Safe and well. May you live with ease. May you be happy and peaceful. Safe and well. May you be at ease. over and over letting the meta flow your own pace and rhythm feeling it moving through the space of awareness as it flows towards this other being person challenge
May you be happy and peaceful. Safe and well. At ease. May you be happy and peaceful, safe and well. May you be at ease. go of this person or being, deciding for yourself now what would be the most nourishing way to spend the last couple of minutes of the practice, to bring metta to yourself, to an easy being, to direct it in all directions to all beings. carry on with a challenging relationship or to come to the body and the breath. Checking in with yourself and just following through with that for the last couple of minutes of this practice together. May all beings be free from enmity. May all beings be free from hurtfulness.
May all beings be free from mental and physical suffering. May all beings look after themselves with ease. So finding, trusting your own rhythm with the practice. And I would say if you're uncertain, err on the side of the easeful, the nourishing, yeah, the joyful in the practice. Yeah. If you're uncertain, how much of an edge thi- is this for now? Err on the side of the nourishing. Yeah on the side of the easeful, on the side of the, and of what brings well-being. If it feels like this is a, 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 gr- a good stretch for you where you are right now, then by all means, uh, go into it and practice. Just make sure that you're balancing it with enough rejuvenation. Yeah, that's always really important to do. And so with the walking practice in particular, I would say, if possible, with the walking, um, to continue with Jake's suggestion from yesterday, as you're doing the walking practice, tune in to the beauty, yeah? the beauty in the world, the beauty in the movement of a human body. Yeah? What an incredible thing that is. Yeah? The beauty external and in, in the body, um, the beauty of others doing walking practice. One of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> yeah, so we can just tune in to, to that. Um, but really seeing if we can take the walking practice as a time for nourishment, yeah, rejuvenation, ease, yeah, embody that. We need to balance uh, that with the aspects of the practice that may be more challenging for us. So yeah, may the practice be enjoyable and nourishing and fruitful for you. Thank you for your listening and uh, we'll meet back here in 45 minutes, 11.15. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.